Hey everyone, welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope, Belmont's location, where each week you'll hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others, so you can go and live your life driven by faith. In this series, we will be asking this question, Who is Jesus? Many of times we think that the answer can be found through documentaries, books, or even films. Yet, is that enough? Join us for the next few weeks as we look at Colossians chapter 1 and find out your answer to who Jesus is. I'd invite you, if you would, to go ahead and grab a Bible. Maybe you brought one with you or you want to grab one of these in the chairs. If you grab one of the black Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you, we are going to be on page 900. And 83. We're in the book of Colossians this morning. So you want to grab your phone, tablet, whatever you use uh, to read God's word, you can do that. And we'll be there in just a moment. If you were with us last week, you know we started a brand new sermon series that we are calling Who is Jesus? And we're going to take four weeks. We're going to take four weeks to talk about who the person of Jesus is. And we're doing it through just a, a small section of scripture, a small passage in Colossians chapter 1. And it's an important topic for us to consider because how we define the person of Jesus will impact everything else that we do in life. Our understanding of this book, our understanding of how we are to live, how we define the person of Jesus, whether he is just a good teacher or he is just a moral leader or if he is a religious figure who people have made into something more than he ever was, well, however we define the person of Jesus Christ has a huge impact on how we live our lives. And we started out last week and we said, we said that we have a problem when it comes to God. We said the problem is it's difficult to know what God looks like or what he's like because God is invisible and he lives way out there and we are way down here. So how in the world are we supposed to know exactly who God is and what he is like? And we said last week that if you want to know what God looks like, you can look at Jesus because Jesus is in every way God. So we had that conversation last week and this week we're going to take the conversation a little bit further together. But before we get to all that, let me ask you a a question. Have you ever, do you know what it feels like to ask a question, to ask a big question, and to only get a small answer in response, or at least what feels like a small answer, to have a, a big question, an important question that you really want to get answered, and to have someone come back and to give you a response that just doesn't quite satisfy everything that you hoped it would in asking the question. Remember when you were a kid and you went to your parents and you wanted to know why something was happening the way it was? Or you were in class and you went to your teacher and you wanted to know why something was happening the way it was? And from your perspective, from your perspective, and I can remember doing this, going up to my parents, going up to a teacher and saying, why did this happen? Why did I get this punishment? Or, or why are we doing things this way? Or why can't I go where I want to go? And having my parent or a teacher come back and say this answer, and perhaps you've heard this answer before. They said something to the effect of, because I said so, right? Because I said so. Because I'm the mom, because I'm the dad, and I'm the teacher. Now, listen, now that I'm on the other side of that question, it's an excellent response, isn't it? I think it's an excellent response now that I'm on the other side. But when I was on that side of it, it just doesn't seem like a full answer, doesn't it? Does it? You ever gone to your boss at work and there's some system or process that you know you have a better way to do things? You know you could fix it. 
if someone would just listen to you, you could save money and save time and save energy. But you bring it to the powers that be and you make your presentation and you say, listen, if we did it this way, I know from my past experience and my learning and everything else that, that this would be better for all of us. And what comes back is an answer, something like, well, this is the way we've always done it here. And you say, listen, I'm bringing to you a big question. There's a big question here and you are giving me such a small answer. You ever had that experience? I've been on the other side of that too. I know what it's like not just to receive the small answer. I know what it's like to know that I'm giving the small answer. Does that make sense? To know that someone's asking me a big question and to feel like my response just didn't live up to their question. I know I've disappointed them in my answer. I'm not covering everything they wanted me to cover. I remember when I was in seminary, there was a professor um, who was there and he was my favorite professor that I took while I was in seminary. In fact, he has a, a YouTube video. This was, so I took classes with him in 2003 and 2004. And since then, he has a YouTube video that's, that has uh, many, many views. It's really blown up. If you've ever watched the YouTube video of the professor uh, who was an atheist student at Yale and became a Christian while he was at Yale, that's the professor that I took uh, at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. I knew the first time I took a class with him that I better take all the classes I could as quickly as I could because it wouldn't be long and he'd be moving on to a more prestigious place, which is exactly what happened. And so uh, Dr. Lim is his name. He came from Yale and Oxford and Princeton and all sorts of impressive places. And he was a philosophy professor, theology professor. And I love that kind of stuff. Some of you, your eyes are already glazing over, but that's all right. I love that kind of stuff. And I remember sitting in one of his classes and the class was called Theodicy and the Problem of Evil. And I loved it. And some of you hate that title. You hate that class. You don't even want to take that class. Well, I didn't like your accounting class. So all right, we're just different. But, but I was sitting in theodicy and the problem of evil, and every day he would come and bring a lecture. And every day I would struggle to wrap my mind around him. It was just, I knew he was way smarter than I was, but I loved learning from him. And one time we read an article in class, and I liked the article. I had a thought about the article, and I saw Dr. Lim on campus. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Lim, I read the article. Here's my thought on the article. And he said, oh, that's, that's a great thought. And we went our separate ways. And later, we got into class. A few days later, we got into class. And he was going through his lecture. And he got to the point, he got to the point where um, he, we were referencing the article that we had read. And in front of the class, there were about 80 people. It was one of those rooms where there was a podium at the, at the bottom of the room, and then the room almost went straight up on a staircase, and there was probably about 80 people sitting in the class, 100 chairs, and, and he was down at the bottom there, and we were all way up in the, in the lecture hall, and he said, uh, you know, we read this article, and actually, Brian, Brian, you had a great thought about this article. What was the thought, he asked me, that you shared with me the other day? And so I was kind of proud to hear that... that uh, Mr. Yale in Oxford thought I had a good thought, and so, and so I began to explain the exact same words, the exact same words that I had said to him on campus just a couple of days earlier. And I could tell, I could tell that I was talking, as I was talking, that the thing I had said to him quickly on campus wasn't nearly as good uh, as, he, as, he, as, he, as, he, as he had remembered it. I could see in his face, his face moved from anticipation to, to somewhat disappointment to feeling like he was hoping I would stop talking soon so he could move on his lecture. And I remember, I remember finishing my answer, finishing my answer, and he looked down at his podium and shuffled his papers and said something like, um, no. <laughs> 
And I know what that feels like. Don't you know what that feels like? To give an answer, to give an answer that you know I did not come anywhere close to where that person was hoping I would say. They ask a big question. And you've done this. You've asked big questions. And people have given you answers. And you've thought to yourself, that's not even close to the answer that I was hoping for. That doesn't even begin to fulfill the question that I was asking. And you've done it the other way too, like I have. People have asked you big questions and you've tried to come up with good answers, but we fall short. You know, I think this, this process, this pattern, it happens in our lives on a, on a fairly regular basis for many of us. There are big questions that are out there that you and I are trying to come up with answers for. And in fact, really everyone that lives in our world is trying in some way to come up with answers for. And the challenge is, is that for many of us, no matter how hard we try, the answers that we are able to think of, the answers that we are able to come up with, those answers fall woefully short of answering the big questions that we are asking. And this causes great problems in our world. It's caused great problems in our culture because we have the big questions and we are searching, 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 searching for answers and people keep saying that they found the answer in different places. And so we go looking for it, but our answers that we're coming up with are falling woefully short of fulfilling the entirety of the question and this is causing a problem in our world. In fact, I would suggest to you that the rising challenges of loneliness and meaninglessness and purposelessness, the fact that this past week, National Suicide Prevention Day, is more prevalent in our culture than it's ever been before. This isn't the first year it's been held, but I felt like this year I heard about it more than ever before, is because of this, this cycle that we're in that we have big questions, big questions. And we ch are challenged with our answers. Our answers are not fulfilling the entirety of the question. They're not able to hold up to the magnitude of the questions that we are asking. And this is a problem in our world. It's a big problem in our world. It's a problem for some of us sitting in the room right now. And the questions that we're asking are questions that, that look something like this. They're questions of control, they're questions of origin, they're questions of purpose, and they're questions of meaning in the day-to-day -day life. And we ask questions like this. We ask questions like, who's in charge of it all? This world that we live in, where things happen and things are up and things are down, who's actually in charge of this whole thing? Is someone actually in control of this place? Or are we just out here in this universe and things are happening at random? It's a big question. It's an important one. But we also ask, where's it all from? Where's this all from? Is anyone in charge of it? Where is this all from? Has it come randomly? Has it shown up randomly? Or was it put here by someone or something? It's a big question that we ask. What's it all for? Who's in control? Where is it from? What's it all for? Why does this exist? Why are we here? It's an important question. And if you go on YouTube or you turn on daytime talk shows, in some way, in some level, in some form, a lot of the conversation is going to surround questions like this. Who's in charge? Why are we here? What's it all for? And then a question something like this. How's it all connected? 
How is it all connected? How do we find meaning in day-to-day life? How is all of this that's happening around the world, all these seemingly random things, how are, how are you and me connected? How are we connected as people? How do we get find meaning and purpose in the day-to-day? We're really looking for something that really connects everything together. Do you remember the beginning of Lion King? Do you remember the beginning of that movie? The, de- the, the desert and the, and the sun is rising over the desert and, and maybe you didn't see. Yeah, there it is. You remember? Does everyone remember? All right. You remember. The, the sun is rising. And maybe you didn't see the cartoon in the 90s. If you didn't, you really missed out. But maybe you saw the one that was just, that was just released this last year. There's this song at the beginning. And the song talks about this force that connects everything together. And that leads us through despair and hope, through faith and love until we find our place in the path unwinding. And what is it? What is the thing that holds it all together? It's the circle of life. You know it, right? The circle of life. And maybe, maybe the Lion King doesn't do it for you. Maybe that's not your thing. But, but you would watch uh, every Star Wars movie that's ever been put out. I know there's some of you in the room that that's exactly what you do. There's something in those movies, too, that holds it all together. And make sense of it day to day, right? And what holds it all together in Star Wars? You know, the Force, right? And there's a part of us that, that we're, we believe something like that should exist in our world. That, that it makes it all connected. It makes it all make sense. That there, there should be something that, that connects us together, even though we're from different places. And even though we're different kinds of people and our upbringing was different. That we're somehow all connected and we're all equal. And, and, and that there's meaning in day-to-day life. We ask these questions. Who's in charge of this whole thing? As we, as we fly through outer space and as things seem to randomly happen, who's in charge? Where did it all come from? Where, it is all, where is it all going and how is it all connected? How do we find meaning in the day-to-day? And you know what the problem is that we have? You're not allowed to admit this on a college campus or really anywhere. But you know what the problem is that we have? Is we are coming up with answers to these questions. And they're all falling short. We have our answers. For some people, it's, it's that we're here to make this world a better place. That's really all it exists for. That's, that's why it's here. That all, that's all it exists for. We're just here to make it a better place. And so we should do whatever we can. We should do whatever we can to uh, protect the, the world and protect the environment. And we should do whatever we can to protect relationship with people and, and fight for what is right. And I'm not saying that's wrong at all. But some people say that that's the ultimate answer, and other people would say that the pursuit of science is the ultimate answer, that if we continue to pursue science and we continue to pursue understanding as to what we can see, that we will somehow, in some way, answer all of these questions definitively. We haven't done it yet. We haven't done it yet, but we will. For some of us, it's much more close to home, that really just our family, our closest friends, uh, the pursuit of our career, that that answers all of these questions, that that will somehow in some way answer all of these questions. I think the challenge that we have in our world today, in our culture specifically, is that as we pursue all of these answers that we feel like we have to these big questions, the feeling that somehow we are falling short continues to rise. 
The feeling that, that somehow we're, we're not here for any reason, we're not here for any purpose, continues to rise even though we're further along in our answers than ever before. So what do we do about that? Because I think with all four of these questions, all of us in the room are somewhere along a spectrum. Either we are pursuing answers that we think are right to answer these questions, we think that we have it, we think we've come up with a solution and we're pursuing that answer, or some of us are so overwhelmed by these questions that right now today, and I I mean this with all seriousness, you're in a really difficult place. The reality of these questions have so overwhelmed your mind and your heart that you're really not sure that there's meaning in the day-to-day at all. And if you're in that place, I want you to know we take that very seriously. Some of us, we just don't want to deal with it. And so we just distract ourselves. Our phones are awesome at this. They really help. Because if we immerse ourselves in social media and we immerse ourselves in connecting with other people and, 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 and we, connect, we immerse ourselves in living from the day to day and, and building a career and, and obtaining goals, we can really distract ourselves from the ultimate questions. And all of us are on some part of that spectrum where we know that these questions are out there and we are trying to pursue some sort of answer. But the challenge is, is we know somewhere deep down inside that all of our answers that we have do not ultimately answer the enormity of the questions. And into the middle of that, a man named Paul begins to speak in the Bible. And he gives to you and to me what I believe is the ultimate answer that supports the weight of these questions and answers them definitively and fully. And in the midst of us and in the midst of people in this culture, because even though we're going to read words that were written 2,000 years ago, the truth is the questions haven't changed much. These questions of purpose and meaning and where's it all from and where is it all going and why are we here, they're the same questions that people have been asking since the beginning of time. And a man named Paul comes in and this is what he says. And he says it specifically about the person of Jesus Christ. And some of you are going to write me off here pretty quick because you walked in this morning and I started to talk and I started to ask questions. And you said to yourself, this is church. He's going to say the answer is Jesus. Jesus is always the right answer in church. If you're in Sunday school, you say Jesus to the question 99% of the time. You're right. And so, and so you're, t- you're going to be tempted to write off this answer. But listen to what Paul's saying here. Listen to what Paul's saying here. Verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And what he means by firstborn is he means that Jesus is in charge of it all, that he is supreme over it all. He is not saying, as some have taken this to mean, that Jesus was created by God, but he's using a term that that in the original text means that Jesus is over it all and in charge of it all. And we would ask the question, well, why? Why is Jesus the one? Why does he get to be in charge of it all? Why does he deserve that spot? And Paul tells us in the next few verses. For 
He's in charge because, Paul says, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. All things were created through him. Paul says everything that you see was created by Jesus and created through him. That means Paul says he was there. At the beginning of it all, speaking it into existence. Just like we said last week that Jesus is God, Paul is reaffirming that by saying Jesus is there when the earth is spoken into being, when the universe, when creation is spoken into being, Jesus is there. And when I ask this question, where does it all come from? Paul is saying it comes by and through Jesus Christ. You ever heard somebody say they built their own house? Like, oh, we built this house. They don't mean it literally. They don't mean they actually picked out the wood and put it all together. They don't mean that they, they went and made the cabinets and they, they did all the plumbing themselves and that they did all the electricity. When we hear somebody say, oh, we built this house ourselves, what we understand is you paid a whole bunch of other people to build this house yourself, themselves, and you get to live in it, right? Paul's not saying that about Jesus. Paul's not saying Jesus was somehow involved in the process of creation, that Jesus was involved in this process. Paul's saying Jesus did do it himself. He is the one who put it into place. And you can see it when he's on this earth. If you go back and you read through the stories of Jesus Christ, when he's on the boat and he stills the wind and the waves, he's the God who created it all and put it into place. When a child brings him um, loaves and fishes, just a few, and he feeds thousands and thousands of people and there's more left over, he's able to do those things because he's the one who built it all in the first place and put it into place. And it's significant to understand that Jesus isn't someone that showed up 2,000 years ago. He's someone who was there in the beginning. All things were created through him, Paul says, and then he says, and all things were created for him. Paul's reminding us, when this world is over and we leave this place, Jesus Christ will be there in eternity. And it's all working for him. Do you know what I think we wish Paul said here? You know what I think we wish that word was after four? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if Paul wrote, and this is what we really want, that Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. It was by him and through him and for us. Isn't that what we want? We want that word to be us. In fact, most of us live like that word is us. That God did all of this for us. And you know what I think a lot of people who say they don't believe in God, they're really frustrated that if they have to believe in God, they have to believe it was created for him and not for us. All things were created by him and through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Paul very clearly is saying, listen, the people in the first century were asking the same questions that you and I ask today. They were asking themselves, who's in charge here? Why is it here? Where is it going? And what holds it all together? And Paul says very clearly, that in all those things, it's Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the one in charge. He is the one who created all things by him and through him. It is all for him that our purpose in living every single day is to serve and to honor him. And that he's the one that holds it all together. 
You know, Jesus Christ is the only one who has existed in heaven with God the Father and existed on this earth and knows what it's like to go day to day with relationship with other people, the ups and downs of this world, and to do it all perfectly. So he is the one who is able to connect it all together. In fact, I think Paul's saying it very simply this way, that Jesus is the answer to life's biggest questions. That Jesus is the answer to life's biggest questions. Now, the skeptic in you is saying, well, how do I know that that answer is better? How do I know that that answer is better? Why not science? Why not the pursuit of of excellence in this world? Why not just the pursuit of saving everything and making everything just and equal? Why is that not the ultimate answer? I don't think those things are bad things. Those are all good things. All I'm suggesting to you is that they're not able to answer life's biggest questions, that they're not the ultimate answers. At the end of the day, these questions that we are asking, who's in charge, where's it all from, what's it all for, and how is it all connected, these are eternal questions. These are questions that acknowledge the reality that there was a point that this universe did not exist, and there will be a point in which this universe does not exist. And if there's not something outside of it, then it's all pretty pointless, isn't it? I mean, what if we did understand everything? If we understood everything about this universe and how it all works and how it all comes together and the edges of the cosmos were under our understanding. But then at the end of it all, the universe collapsed on upon itself and that was it. It doesn't answer these questions. What if we achieved everything beyond we could even dream, anything we could even dream, and we learned more and did more and made more money and achieved more than we ever thought possible? It still doesn't answer these questions. These are eternal questions, and eternal questions demand an eternal answer. And the problem that you and I have, the problem that a lot of people in our culture have, is that we are actively, we are actively answering eternal questions with temporal solutions. We are actively answering these questions, these big life questions, with very temporary solutions. And it just leaves us wanting, doesn't it? It leaves us wishing that there was some greater answer out there. And at the end of the day, all of us have something that we are putting in an important spot to make sense of it all and to answer our questions. And the thing that I want you to think about this morning is does that thing that you are putting into that place deserve to be there? Can it bear the weight of the questions that you are trying to answer? I don't know if you saw the story, but this last week, the horse Justify, who won the Triple Crown in 2018, there was a big story this week. I don't know if you saw what happened, but that horse that was celebrated and named, you know, it was number one, it won the Triple Crown, that doesn't happen that often, Justify actually failed a drug test about a month before the Kentucky Derby and actually should not have been allowed to run. So here's the thing. 
The record books will always say that Justify is a triple crown winner. There will always be this sense that not really, not fully, we'll know that, that Justify isn't really a champion, right? Remember Barry Bonds? Maybe some of you do. Set the home run record with 73 home runs. But then it came out later that he was taking steroids. And so, I mean, in the record books, it says Barry Bonds had 73 home runs. But you look at that, and there's this giant question. And not really. He didn't really have 73 home runs because he was cheating in some way. It was this football team that won the Super Bowl but was deflating footballs. No, I'm just kidding. Let's not go go there. There was a triathlon. Let's go somewhere else. There was a triathlon last month, last month in August. And the triathlon was in Tokyo in anticipation of the Olympics next year. And the whole point of the triathlon was for the elite athletes in the world to run the course together. There was no giant medals. There were no giant prize money. Uh, It was for the athletes to run together and to experience uh, what it would be like. And so in the spirit of the Olympic Games, the two women who were winning the race, first and second place, I believe they were both from Great Britain, they decided while they crossed the finish line in the spirit of unity and Olympics and all of that stuff, to hold hands and cross the finish line together. And do you know what happened? They were both disqualified. Because it turns out that when it comes to the Olympic Games, you have to compete all the way to the finish line. And all that stuff about unity apparently doesn't matter too much. Because the third place woman was declared the winner. And so her name is in the books as the winner, but not really. Not really. And we have these answers, don't we? These, these things that we put at, a, at a, an important place. And we say, well, this answers all the questions. This answers them definitively. But the truth is, not, not really. Not really. There are these pieces of these questions that we cannot fully answer. And what we need to ask ourselves is whether or not the answer that we are giving is satisfying the questions we're asking. It's like when you play Jenga. There's always one piece, right? That if you move it, if you move that piece, the whole thing's going to fall over. And whatever it is that you and I are trying to answer these questions with, it's like that piece And the question is whether or not it can actually bear the weight of the things that it is trying to hold. And what we're saying there here this morning, what Paul is saying to you and to me, is how we answer that question is crucial. Because if we answer it wrong, and we have the wrong piece in that place, then eventually the entire tower is going to topple over. And all of the answers and all of the solutions we thought we had to life's biggest questions are going to be found wanting. The only thing that can go into that place that satisfies it all is Jesus Christ himself. Because he was there in the beginning, he'll be there in the end, and he is the one who has invaded our space. He is the one who has lived on this earth perfectly when we could not, died on the cross for our sins, raised again, that we might have life. And he's the one that holds it all together. And so some of you are here this morning, 
And you know the thing that you have in this space that's holding the whole deal together is not able to truly bear the weight of what's above it. You're pursuing answers in achievement, relationship, knowledge, research. And you think if we just keep going, if we make enough, if we do enough, if we discover enough, somehow all of these questions will be answered. But we are trying to answer eternal questions with temporary answers, and it doesn't work. Eternal questions need eternal answers. And the answer to those questions, like many millions and millions of people, billions of people have discovered before, is Jesus Christ. And if you're looking for it anywhere else, you will always be found wanting. And so maybe today is a day that you would begin to pursue answers through Jesus Christ rather than some other place. But some of you sitting in the room, Some of you sitting in the room have made this decision a long time ago, and you're saying to me right now, listen, you're preaching to the choir here. When are you going to stop? Because we we understand everything that you're saying already. And Jesus is right here. This is where I put Jesus in in my understanding of the world and life and the reason why we're all here and where it's all from and where it's all going and how it's all held together. Jesus is right here in my model. Well, here's my question for you this morning. Can we tell that in your life Monday through Saturday? Because if if Jesus is in this spot, then it ought to reflect in everything that we do throughout the course of our day. And some of you are out there and you are living the life God calls you to live through Jesus Christ, and you are taking all sorts of stuff for it. It is, it is very difficult. And people, your classmates don't understand why you live the life you do. Your spouse doesn't understand why you live the life you do. You are out there, and you're doing the things that God would call you to do. You are living in integrity. You are handling finances the way God calls you to. You are, you are uh, living as a a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a mom or a dad or a child, just the way that God calls you to. And no one else around you understands why you are doing it. I want to tell you this morning, keep going. You're in the right place. No matter what anyone tells you, they're trying to answer temporary, eternal questions with temporary solutions. And if you are living out the life God calls you to live, then you are doing it correctly. Keep going. And for those of us who know that we say logically and theologically that Jesus is the answer to these questions, but we go and live our life as if something else is the answer, I want to encourage you today not to waste your time searching for eternal answers and temporary things, but to put Jesus in the right place in life, to live for him each and every moment of your day to order your life around him because ultimately he is the only one who can support the weight of the questions. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close this morning. And as we do, I'd invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes and think with me for a moment. For those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ this morning, for those of, of, of you who would say like me that you're a Christian and that you think this way and you believe this way, let me ask you the question, where is your life inconsistent? 
Where is it that you're saying that you believe that Jesus is the one who is the center of it all? He is the one who holds it all together, but day to day you're living as if it's something else. This morning is a morning to redirect your life, to spend your time wisely on what matters most. And maybe you're here this morning and you're frustrated and you're depressed because you're trying to answer these eternal questions and you cannot come up with a solution. It seems meaningless, it seems pointless. I want you to know this morning that ultimate meaning will only be found through Jesus Christ. And maybe today would be the day that you would begin to put your trust in him, to follow him, so that you might find eternal answers to your eternal questions. If that's you this morning, before you leave this morning, we want to talk to you. We'll be in the back of the room by the Connect Center, myself or Justin. I'd love to talk to you more about what it would look like for you to begin to pursuing Christ in that way. God, I thank you this morning that there are answers to these questions. I thank you for the person of Jesus Christ who is fully God. The person of Jesus Christ who answers for us who's in charge and where's it all from and what's it all for and how is it all connected, God. I pray that that would give us hope. I pray that that would give us encouragement each and every moment of every day. That this life is not all that we have. That there is an eternity waiting for us. Holy Spirit, would you keep it in the front of our minds that Jesus Christ is the answer to life's biggest questions and where we are tempted to try and find the answer someplace else, bring us back and help us focus on you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m., and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at MT Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.